This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. You know, there's a particular people that are praying that prayer in Isaiah. It's a particular people. It's a people that describe themselves in Isaiah 63, 16, Isaiah 63, 16, they say about themselves, Israel, acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our Father, a Redeemer. When they say, Israel, acknowledge us not, they are a people that Israel is saying, you're not a Jew, you're no longer a Jew. You're no longer a Jew. Just like when I, as a Jew, applied for Israeli citizenship and they asked me if I believed that Jesus Christ is God, and when they knew what I believed, they said, you cannot become an Israeli because you are no longer a Jew. Isaiah 63, 16, though Israel acknowledge us not. This is the remnant. These are the Jews that have believed into Jesus and therefore they call him, in Isaiah 63, 11, Isaiah 63, 11, they call him, our Redeemer. These are our Jewish brothers in Christ who are facing great problems and they call out to God in Isaiah 63, 11, and they say, where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within them? These are the, this is the, the per- persecuted Jewish Remnant that says in Isaiah 63, 15, Isaiah 63, 15, look down from heaven and behold the habitation of thy holiness and of thy glory. Where is thy zeal and the strength, the sounding of thy bowels and thy mercies toward me? Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou art, O Lord, our God, our Redeemer. Habakkuk used a wonderful name for God when he said in verse 13, verse 13, thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people. That's what she just sang. Jesus left heaven for me to die in my place. And that's what Habakkuk is saying in verse 13. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people. That was the time when God went forth. That was the greatest time in verse 13 when God went his forth for the salvation of thy people. That's when Jesus came and said in John 6.38, John 6.38, I came down from heaven. And John 6.51, John 
I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. That's when Jesus said in John 3.13, John 3.13, he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man lift, be lifted up, that whosoever believeth into him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth into him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I said, into him, because that's the way the Greek reads. Jesus came from heaven. He came down to earth. He's the person that Habakkuk is referring to in verse 13. Verse 13, thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people. And this is, what the, this is what the prophet Habakkuk is doing. He's focusing on a time of great depression, a time of great darkness. He's focusing on history of how God dealt with Israel. So, so amazing to me whenever I read the last words of, the, of uh, Stephen, of Stephen in Acts 7, when he was allowed to give his last words before he was stoned to death, I don't know of a more beautiful summary of history than, his, than, than he gave in Acts 7, and just before he was martyred. So beautiful. And why did he do that? How could he do that? How could Stephen put together Without any preparation, no one said to him that day, you're going to be killed today, so you better sit down at your desk and prepare your last words. No, he was, just, he was caught right on the heels, and he does this wonderful, beautiful going through the history of how God brought Israel uh, into Egypt as a tiny little family exiled by the forces of famine to be aliens in a strange land of Egypt. And just like we are exiled by the forces of sin, to live our lives as, as aliens in a strange, strange place called the world. And how God, within that foreign land of Egypt, nourished this little family, this little family of Jacob, to grow into a, a people, a large people called Israel. Just like we are, are within the foreign world, God nourishes us to grow in Christ. And how that foreign land of Egypt then turned against Israel in a hatred and persecuted them, wanting to destroy them, just like we experienced the hatred of the world against us and, and how God did not allow Egypt to crush them, did not allow Egypt to destroy them, but, rest, but came down to rescue them. And when he came to Moses, that's what he told him in Exodus 3.7. Exodus 3.7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Just like God came down to rescue us. When Moses saw God on Mount Sinai, that's what he saw on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19.20. Exodus 19.20, the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. Those are wonderful words. Wonderful words about God. Exodus 3.8, Exodus 3.8, I am come down to deliver. Wonderful words, wonderful words. God came down to deliver. 
wonderful words to describe Jesus, John 6, 38, I came down from heaven. That makes Jesus to have the name of the Savior who came down to deliver. The statement in, in verse 13 here, verse 13, thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, that's a statement that's saying the priority for God is to save his people. It's so great that he will disrupt, he will shake all the powers of nature like the parting of a red sea, a great sea. He'll stop the course of nature. He'll stop the course of the sun and the moon for the salvation of his people. He'll throw, God will throw all of nature into disorder to save his people. All because there's a people on earth that are so important to God that he'll do all that for them. Those are God's saved people. And now Habakkuk paints for us what happened when God parted the Red Sea for Israel, when, the, when Israel was running for their lives away from the Egyptians. In Habakkuk 3.15, Habakkuk 3.15, verse 15, verse 15, he says, thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap of great waters. This is a time when the Red Sea stood as the great obstacle to Israel they were piled up against it like a firing squad, and Egypt was fast on their heels. And this was the time when the mighty Red Sea said to Israel, huddled up against its shore, what a pathetic sight. And, and the great Red Sea said to Israel, no, you won't. You won't pass any further. I am the, the great Red Sea. I am bigger and stronger than you, and I'll hold you back from crossing my waters. I'll hold you back as the Egyptians plunge their swords into you. That was the obstacle that they were faced with, the Red Sea. And God saw that Red Sea and God just pushed the sea open. He pushed it open. God pushed that Red Sea away. And so that on both sides stood up great walls of water as if God said, as if God said to the Red Sea, you pile up on this side, you pile up on that side, and you stay there until I tell you. And those walls stood there as Israel walked through on dry land. And he says in verse 15, verse 15, thou didst walk through the sea. They've been running before, but not now. They walk, they walk, they don't run. Because God didn't run through the sea, because Israel could only walk. Israel was tender. Israel had little ones. Israel had cattle. That's what Jacob told Esau. Jacob told Esau in Genesis 33, Genesis 33, Esau said, let's go, let's go home. And, and Jacob said in Genesis 33, 13, Genesis said unto him, my Lord knoweth that the children are tender. The flocks and the herds with young are with me. And if men should overdry them one day, all the flock will die. Then, my Lord, I pray thee, pass over for us, and I will leave on softly, according as the cattle that goeth before me and the children be able. Isaiah 63, 16, Isaiah 63, 16, he led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness that they should not stumble. The parting of the Red Sea was one of the great miracles that God did for Israel. It involved water, it involved water. This first miracle involving water was the parting of the Red Sea. 
We know it so well. Uh, Exodus 14, Exodus 14, Moses stretched out, 1421, 1421, Exodus, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, made the sea dry land. The waters were divided. The children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry land, not even mud. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left hand. The second great miracle that, 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 the involving water was the parting of the River Jordan. The parting of the River Jordan under Joshua, Joshua 3.15, Joshua 3.15, as they that bear the ark were come into Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth his banks all the time of the harvest that the water which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city of Adam, that is Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed right against Jericho. The priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the river Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were clean passed over. That's what God did for them. He disrupted the course of nature for their salvation. The third miracle the third miracle was, was when water came out of a rock, a solid rock of flint. Exodus 17, 6. Exodus 17, 6. The people were thirsty in the desert. They needed water. And Exodus 17, 6 says, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and they never forgot it. They never forgot it, and Moses made sure they never forgot it. He said to them in Deuteronomy 8.15, Deuteronomy 8.15, as Moses is getting ready to die, and he's giving his last final words as if he's putting great treasure in their pockets. He said, put this in your pocket. Deuteronomy 8.15, God led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents, scorpions, drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint. And looking back over these three miracles involving water, David said, David said in Psalm 114.1, Psalm 114.1, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of a strange language, Judah was his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams and little hills like lambs. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest, thou Jordan, that thou was driven back? Ye mountains that you skipped like ram, ye little hills like lambs. Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turned the rock into a standing water, the flint into a fountain of waters. David's taunting. He's taunting the powers of the earth. He's taunting the powers of nature when he says, where was your pain, Red Sea, that you fled away? Psalm 14:5. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest? What was your pain, River Jordan? What was your pain that you ran away from, Eden, from Israel when they approached you? Psalm 114.5, what ailed thee, thou Jordan, that thou was driven back? Did you tremble, earth, at the presence of God, at the presence of a God of Jacob? 
Did you tremble so greatly, O earth, that a rock was turned into a source of water? Did you tremble, O earth, so great that a flint became a gushing fountain? This all is what David is doing to encourage himself. This all is what Habakkuk is doing to encourage himself. This is all what we should do to rise over fears. And Habakkuk had fears. Oh, he had fears in verse 16 when he thought and he looked at the Chaldeans and what they were going to do. He was panicked. And he said in verse 16, when I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice Rottenness entered into my bones. I trembled in myself. What Habakkuk saw made him so afraid. And it was, it was at the time when he, he saw so clearly that Israel was going to land on this time of Psalm 137, 1, Psalm 137, 1, when Israel would be by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down, yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For they, they that carried us away captive, required of us a song. They that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundation of thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. But like us, Habakkuk resolves to not stay in that depression, to not stay down there, to not stay in that state of despair. And he crawls out. Habakkuk crawls out of that pit of panic and terror and depression. And he proclaims in verse 17, he says, even though, although the fig tree shall not blossom, there's no fruit on the vines. The labor of the olive tree is going to fail. The fields will yield no meat. The flock will be cut off from the fold. There'll be no herd in the stalls. And what the, he, when he's and he's talking about the invasion of the Chaldeans, the invasion of the of the of, of the of the Babylonians, and and he's so afraid. But but he says this word, although, even though, and this is his recovery. Although he's recovering now from his fright, from his terror, from his trembling, from his bone rottenness, and the paralysis of his tongue. It's a huge although, although recovery. This although ex expresses, he's got, Habakkuk is saying, I have a secret source of strength against this news that's weakening me. Uh, this although is that I have an underlying spring of joy against this depression, against this sorrow. I've got a hope against this, this despair that's ravaging me. And he tells us what it is. He tells us what is this all about, this counter. He says, he says, when my creature comforts in life, when they're gone, 
When the fig tree shall not blossom, the fig is seen as giving its sweet fruit, and the blossom is beautiful, it's small, it's delicate, with the colored leaves, it's a sign of hope, hope that the fruit is gonna come. But when the fig tree has no blossoms, hope is gone. And the fig tree with no blossoms is a scene of hopelessness. And he says, neither is there fruit on the vines. The vines are seen as handing to man juicy grapes. And they, and they represent, the, the vines represent a lot of work. They don't just do that. They have to be pruned. They have to be trimmed. They have to be tied up for support, all so that they would hand their fruit. And he says, when the vine has no fruit, that's a scene of disappointment and frustration. Disappointment and frustration in life. And then he says, the labor of the olive shall fail. The olive tree is seen as a, as a big tree, one purpose, give the olives, those rich, fat olives full of oil. And, and, and the olive tree is seen to be working so hard to produce its small little fruit it's the, 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 the flesh of the olive impregnated with that oil. And, and he says that he says he's describing that olive tree like an infertile woman, an infertile woman who, who lives and she wants with all of her heart to have children. She wants to bear children. She wants to, she wants to nourish a child, and yet she's childless. And, and it's a scene of purposelessness of life. And then he goes on to say, and the fields yield no meat. It's nice to see the fields with their with the with the clover with their with their green rolling, but where's the flocks to eat to change that into meat? And when there's fields with no herds, it's a scene of emptiness, emptiness. And the flocks be cut off from the fold, it's a scene of death. It's a scene of death. So he's got scenes in front of him of hopelessness, of disappointment and frustration, of purposelessness, of emptiness, of death. And all these things are, 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 are sapping the very strength out of him. And he can't bear to look at it. And with all those scenes, he says, although, even in spite of, he rises against all the odds. And he, and he says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation and I will do it through the histories, through the histories in the Bible. You're gonna see a man, he's saying, that's gonna be jumping up and down because the Red Sea parted. You're gonna see a man that's gonna walk around with a big smile on his face because the River Jordan split. That's what you're gonna see. That's the great yet, that's the great yet. That's the pivot on his heels. That's how he pivots and turns and he faces all of hopelessness and disappointment and purposelessness and frustration and emptiness and, he de and death and with a strong defiance right in the face of all of that, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And who is the God of my salvation? His name is Jesus. Jesus. It's also personal. It's also personal. He doesn't say, we will. No. He says, I will. It's his personal stand. 
and he finishes the book. He finishes his, 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 what he wanted to say in verse 19 by saying, the Lord God is my strength. He'll make me to walk upon mine high places. As for all the powers of hopelessness and disappointment and frustration and emptiness and purposelessness and death, he says, no problem. I have a strength that's not my own. It's God's and he will strengthen me. And as for my future, he says, he'll make me to walk upon mine high places. And just where is that? Heaven. Heaven is my home and I'll walk in heaven. And he says, that's my destiny. He starts with fear. He ends with assurance. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us a blessed assurance. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.